Well, I hate to be that guy telling people who don't have kids yet um, that, oh, you can't understand this until you have kids. Because that's just really condescending and patronizing to people. But it's true. (laughs) Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. Daddy! Daddy, where are you? All right, we're back for another episode. Hey, Stu, how's it going? Uh, very good, Dr. Shu. Very good indeed. So you ready for today's topic? It's a real snoozer. Okay, lay it on me. What are we talking about today? So today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics in the world, nap time. For kids or for parents? Both. That's a part of our discussion. Okay. I frequently nap with the children. Okay, okay. I like this. So I thought, what better way to start than to tell a little bit, tell a story about naps. Okay. So... Like I come from a family that's really big on naps. Like my parents on Saturday and Sunday are always in bed from like two to four o'clock in the afternoon, even now, (laughs) all through my childhood. But uh, so, you know, when the kids are growing up, the kids need sleep. So the napping is a big part of the routine for most parents. Most parents are familiar with this concept. Oh, yes. When when my son was two years old, so about a year ago, he started to not want to nap. So this becomes one of the big things that kids parents have to go through when their kids are trying to drop their nap Mm -hmm. and it was like a i'm gonna say it was a sunday afternoon and i was i was left home with both of the kids so he would have been around two and my daughter was about four or five at the time Mm -hmm. four and a half and my wife had gone to a meeting right so this is a big thing like dad is now home with both kids alone (laughs) for nap time now normally like i don't know how you do it with four kids but when we have um because we have two kids, one parent naps with one kid, the other parent naps with the other kid. It's like strict man-to-man defense. Okay, yeah, you don't do that when you have four kids. <laughs> so that day, my wife wasn't home, so I'm going to do two-on-one. So already I'm kind of stressed about it, right? Because you don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. And the, one of the problems is when you have a two-year-old is dad is usually pretty tired. So medical dad was really tired. So after lunch, after like eating some rice, like I'm ready to fall asleep. Like I could feel drowsy. Yeah. Right. Which is, which is not a good thing to feel heading into nap time. Ironically, my daughter, we've kind of trained her. So she's pretty good at napping. So her and I lie down on the bed and we fall asleep, which is a big mistake. Cause now the two-year-old is like, he's like running in and out of the room and I'm half asleep. I can hear him like run into the room, throw something at us, giggle, and then run out. And then this must happen like repeatedly, like a hundred times. And I'm kind of half asleep and my daughter's asleep. At about the one hour mark, I wake up. And then my son is now wearing just a onesie and he looks like he's glistening, like he's sweating. (laughs) But when I examine him closely, he has opened like a massive container of Vaseline that was left lying around in my room and now has lathered his entire body in Vaseline to the point that it's soaked through his onesie. Like, you know what they say about like a white t-shirt, like you can see your nipples, like you could see his nipples, like his whole body was soaking (laughs) wet with Vaseline, right? So 
of course I lose it. And not only, okay, not only is his body covered in Vaseline, the floor of that room, like he had little mats, they're all covered in Vaseline. There's a pillowcase covered in Vaseline. Like he's just become like some weird like Vaseline bandit, right? And he's and he's been running around throwing toys at his sister to try to wake her up. So she's lying in bed with a pile of toys near her feet. He's yeah. glistening with Vaseline and then dad is just fuming. So then I haul him to the washroom because then I'm like, I got to give him a shower. And I'm going to tell you, it is impossible to shower Vaseline off a kid's body when you've lathered it to that degree. Yes. And, and, and it was in his hair, right? So his hair is like oily. And like, I, I probably washed his hair with shampoo like 16 times that afternoon and it wouldn't come out. And I was really angry. I'm like, I threw like a bottle of shampoo and cracked it. My wife comes home. It's like, what on earth is going on? And we're like, he won't nap. <laughs> like that's basically it so did he give an explanation as to in his mind why like was he trying to squeeze into a small space to get something <laughs> he's not very verbal especially at that age yeah. so we had you couldn't really fault him because he's kind of cute you couldn't really get an explanation yeah. all you could do is just be angry and that's it and then start wiping the stuff off off the floor it was a disaster being understanding was not an option in this scenario <laughs> all you could do is be angry <laughs> I try. I try sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say this because uh, we also have had a Vaseline experience with our kids. This was when, and I'm not sure if this was truly during a nap time, but it was a time when uh, my two older kids were really young at the time. Must have been uh, maybe two and three and a bit. Like one was two and the other was three and a bit. And uh, we left them in, in their room for a while and we came back and they had taken Vaseline and smeared it all over. They had some little action figures, uh, some little little people, covered them all in Vaseline. Uh, and yeah, it's so hard to wash Vaseline off of things. So, well, you, at least with the little people toys, you could just throw them away. You can't really throw your son away over a Vaseline incident. Uh, we're not big into throwing toys away at my house. <laughs> Maybe that's more me. I'm guilty of that. But, yeah, so... Oh, I, we could turn this into a Vaseline discussion for an hour, I'm sure. Well, certainly uh, there's a key message here. Parents, put your Vaseline out of children's reach. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not as toxic as all these other things that are intuitive. You know, Drano and these things you don't want your kids getting into. But Vaseline, much harder to clean. Right. Actually, now that you mentioned the word toxic, I even forgot. Like, I'm sure he ate some of it, right? The reason the Vaseline was even out that day was because my wife saw him try to eat like a, like a, like a dollop of Vaseline earlier. Okay. So she took the container and moved it. And then I guess I moved it somewhere else, except it wasn't at a height that was, that was safe anymore at this point. <laughs> Is this something where she moved it and put it way up, high up in the closet? And then you went in the closet <laughs> and you're like, what's this doing up here? I put it back on the floor. <laughs> oh man. Terrible. It was something like that, to be honest. Yeah. But, so it, basically this gets us into the subject of naps. Yes. Right? Like napping with kids is like a really can be a really stressful experience. And uh I thought maybe we should just touch on like I mean obviously kids are when they when they come out as babies, they do need a lot of sleep. So at the very beginning they're always in and out of sleep. Right. But gradually this starts to change. Like do you, can you tell us a little bit about like what normal sleep habits is kind of like for kids? Uh I just giving you a broad range uh, for your toddlers, your kids sort of one to two years of age. Um, usually the recommended amount of sleep is going to be between 11 and 14 hours, something in that range. Uh, and they may sleep more, they may sleep less, uh, but that's sort of the, the typical recommended target. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, for your preschoolers, your three to five, it's 10 to 13 hours. And then as they start getting older, nine to 11 hours for kids up to about 13 years of age. And then even teenagers are ex- sort of recommendations are eight to 10 hours. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so and that's the total sleep so that includes nighttime plus the naps all summed up together yeah yeah exactly exactly um if you have a toddler and they're sleeping 14 hours overnight and then another nap on top of that then uh <laughs> good good for you you've got a lot more free time than most parents do but uh, you might want to get their thyroid checked or something so as a physician do do you have a preference if the if your patient's kids are sleeping these chunks like all at once because a lot of times what happens when they try to drop their nap, like you get to age somewhere between two and four, a lot of kids will not want to nap anymore. So then they end up compensating by sleeping extra long at night, right? Yeah. Or, or crashing at like 630. Yeah. Like, do we have a preference? Is it better to sleep that long chunk or is it better to have the nap? There's not really a medical uh, necessity to go one route over the other. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's going to come down to what works well for you and your family. And I remember my kids when they're in that uh, just sort of outgrowing the napping stage, having these days where we're deciding, okay, so what's it going to be today? Are we going to enjoy some time in the afternoon where the kids are asleep and pay for it later? Or (laughs) are we going to not encourage the nap and then have an easier time putting them to bed so the parents can watch Netflix together? (laughs) So I understand exactly what you're talking about. I think some of the people who either like who haven't had children yet I don't know why they would be listening to our show, but maybe they want to get a taste of it. Like when we didn't have children, we did not understand this topic at all. Like I remember like a year or two before we had a, uh, my daughter, we were at a house party and one of my friends was like one of the first people in our group to have a chick, have a kid. Yeah. That kid started to get pretty hyper. Like the party started to go to four o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock, six o'clock. Yeah. And the kid's getting more and more hyper. And we were like, wow. Like your kid's really energized, he's healthy, right? (laughs) And the parents are like, no, 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 like uh, he's about to crash. But all we can see is like a kid running around, right? right. Running around, jumping a little bit more. And he's, they're like, don't worry, when he gets in the car, he's gonna shut down immediately, right? And that's actually the best case scenario. Like the worst case is the kids become very emotionally like, like fragile at that point. Any little thing can set them off. That's That's the thing about not napping that drives me crazy is that, the kids, as they get tired, they get hyper and then they can snap. Yeah. Right. And then 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 that's paying for it. Well, I hate to be that guy telling people who don't have kids yet um, that, oh, you can't understand this until you have kids, because that's just really condescending and patronizing to people. But it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Before I had kids, I'd see these people with a child who's just berserk miserable not listening to anything they say throwing tantrums and the parents would be saying like oh yeah you have to understand he he, he missed his nap today and I, and I remember thinking to myself when i didn't have kids like yeah yeah he didn't have that or you're just lousy parents right? obviously you don't discipline your child and that's why he's acting like that and then when i had kids there was a real real a moment of realization a real oh that that's right when your kids miss their nap, they turn into monsters. That, that's not that's not just because of the bad parenting. So I'm always trying to hammer home to parents, like, make sure your kids get enough sleep. And if they're trying to drop their nap, I'm like, you just got to patiently try to work with them to f- figure out a way until they get to the age where they can at least get through dinner. Right? Like, yeah. 
I don't mind them dropping a nap if they can still eat dinner and like, have an early shower and go to bed. Yeah. But if dropping a nap means that they can't eat, they can't shower, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. I mean, we could talk a lot about just sleep in general uh, and how many kids are just not getting enough sleep. And adults. I'm going to throw that one yeah, in there uh, as we record this episode yeah. at like 1030 at night. <laughs> and adults with kids. <laughs> adults with kids who don't get enough sleep are often adults who do not get enough sleep. <laughs> but the uh, a lot of the symptoms of not getting enough sleep really overlap with the symptoms of having something like ADHD. Right. Um, but going back to the idea of just kids uh, and, how, and how important the naps are when they're in that napping stage, uh, I remember seeing parents out with kids before I had any where you go out somewhere and it's coming up 11 o'clock. And then the parents are like, All right, okay, we got to leave. We got to leave right now. It's time for, it's time for the first nap. And you're like, well, you know, we're right in the middle of having some fun. They're like we could stay a little bit. You can have a nap later. Can't you? And it's like, no, no, right. we got to go right now. And I was just envisioning like these kids. Is it like uh, when vampires get exposed to the sun? Like, will the kids turn into ash and disintegrate? Uh, but now I realize it's, it's a lot more like the movie Gremlins, where like if you feed them after midnight, it's a lot like if you don't give your kid your nap on time. They go from these few, cute, fuzzy creatures to these like scaly monsters. <laughs> well, so the result of this is because we have a lot of, you know, friends and stuff that also have children, it's impossible for us to coordinate any get togethers with people because like my kids will have sleep requirements where they have to sleep from like two to four thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. And then their kids will be sleeping from, from like twelve thirty to one thirty. Yeah. So like we'll routinely be like, Okay, let's meet up for lunch. We have this little window of opportunity for lunch and it has to be between eleven thirty and twelve thirty. <laughs> it's just like a one hour family gathering and then we all hightail it back to get back to bed. <laughs> these, these half hour play dates. <laughs> there's a certain stage where most kids are napping twice a day. Right. Uh, and really like uh, your entire schedule revolves around this two naps a day. Right. So it's like you either get together in the morning before the first nap or, oh, no, that's it now. We, we, we only have a, an hour, hour and a half window <laughs> that we can leave the house, get out, hang out, get back, eat, feed the kids, and then have the second nap. Right. So I, this brings me to a topic that I, I find very interesting. And there's not much literature about this on the Internet because I think people are afraid to talk about it. And that's this idea of driving your kid around to get them to fall asleep because i think in this in like day and age of like you know environmentally conscious we need a hybrid vehicle yeah this idea that you would be so callous as to make your three-year-old's carbon footprint so big yeah. for the sake of a little bit of sleep no one will talk about it online but we're going to talk about it here <laughs> like did you ever drive around in on purpose to make your kid fall asleep for the sake of having you know a decent dinner or something <laughs> Uh, no, I've never done that, but I don't criticize people who do. <laughs> I, I, I see this often more in the context of babies as opposed to sort of a toddler who needs to nap. Mm -hmm. um, but I've, I see it often with babies where uh, the child is what parents would describe as being colicky, hard to get them to settle down, hard to get them to fall asleep. Right. Uh, and often when I'm seeing patients in the emergency department setting and trying to explain to them how common this phenomenon is i'm explaining to them that you know i have a lot of shifts that because of emerge hours are like shifts that end at two in the morning mm -hmm. i'm saying when i'm driving home at two in the morning i'm driving past other families 
uh, that have a baby in the car and you're like, what are they doing out here at two in the morning driving around? And then when you have a kid, you understand, oh, yeah, okay, they're trying to get to fall Wait, asleep. Wait, you've really seen this? I've actually driven past the car with a baby and I'm like, yeah, 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 I know what's happening here. So we generally like, because, you know, there's a part of me that's like pretty like, I want to protect the environment too. Like, so generally the idea of like getting our kid into the car for the sake of a nap and turning on that engine for the sake of the nap, that seems bad. But then I'm like, if it means getting the toddler into the car just so happens to be his nap time and also time to pick up his sister from school, that's like killing two birds with one stone. Like that's kind of more socially and environmentally acceptable, I think. Uh, so I've never, we've never really found ourselves in that boat, uh, but we've had to deal with the flip side where if they fall asleep in the car for even two minutes, uh, <laughs> then when they wake up because you've arrived at your destination, any hope of the nap they were supposed to have is completely destroyed. Forget that. They're not going to bed that night until <laughs> 1130. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as opposed to having times where I'm like, okay, I got to get them in the car so that they can specifically nap. I've had more of the experience of, we're driving in the car and I've got one hand on the wheel and one hand shaking their leg and snapping my fingers and doing anything I can to stop them from falling asleep. And you're, like, you're almost home, almost home. And then you look back and like, ah, they fell asleep. And I've had it where I look back, they've fallen asleep. And I've actually said out loud, ah, they've fallen asleep. And then that woke them up. And they're like, oh, no, it's ruined. Well, we've had this issue where... So then you get them to fall asleep or they've happened to fall asleep in the car. Yeah. And it would be fine if they just slept in the car, but then we'll get to our destination and we'll stop the car. Usually it'll get getting home, right? So I'll stop the car in the driveway yeah. and they immediately wake up. It's like all this effort. And as soon as the car stops, they're up again. <laughs> yeah. So in my experience, the car is not a very good tool for getting kids into a good like sleeping habit nap routine. Um <laughs> But we, we this have, is not recommended by the Canadian Pediatric Society. <laughs> I don't know if they have a specific comment on that, although uh, they do recommend against having kids nap and sleep in car seats in general. Right. right. Uh, but uh, we can certainly speak to the idea of we already know we're going somewhere that's going to be a long car ride. So we try to time it so that the nap can occur in the car ride there. Right. So we've done that. And we've also had the frustration of making an hour drive out to say the kids grandparents and the plan is they're going to sleep in the car ride there but they're wide awake and wired up and yes. you're okay for the first five minutes and then as you're coming to the last 15 minutes of the trip you're sort of realizing like no okay like you gotta <laughs> fall asleep now because if you if we go past this threshold then uh, everything's gonna fall apart and then they don't fall asleep they don't fall asleep. five minutes to arriving then they fall asleep and now, of course, they wake up as soon as the car is parked. Yes, we've been through all of these. We've been through a lot of another scenario that I don't know if you've, you've had is like we'll be driving somewhere. Like we're actually intending to go home uh -huh. for the sake of the nap. Yeah. And we're almost home. And then they fall asleep. Right. Like they fall asleep like two blocks from home. So suddenly, suddenly, if, if you had a camera perched on my house, you would see my van drive past our house <laughs> and then continue to make circles. Right. Like just to preserve a few extra minutes of sleep for this kid. Yes. Uh, I have to say we've had this too, uh, where <laughs> the plan was not for them to fall asleep in the car, but then they did. And so now you park the car with a kid <laughs> sleeping in it. Because there's always that chance that you might be able to scoop them out and bring them to bed and lay them down. 
And oh, that is tr- that is a technique that would really be considered a master level technique. <laughs> yeah. And you see it in movies all the time. It's so cute. They bring Orphan Annie home after the big show. They put her in a bed, slide her shoes off. But in real life, you lift them up and then the car door opens and then, whoa, they're awake. No, no, then, no. In real life, what happens is you make it all the way up to the up to your house. You get the shoes off, you put them down, and at that last second, their eyes open. <laughs> Oh, yes. These are the parts of having really little children that you don't miss. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it's a big uh, uh, quality of life shift when the kids go from having uh, one nap, uh, two naps to one nap. Because it's just mm-hmm. a lot easier to plan your day when you can leave the house in more than sort of one and a half hour chunks during the daytime. Right. right. Uh, but uh, it's not so much fun necessarily when they go from one nap to zero naps. Uh, we, you yeah. really start to rely on having that time when the kids are napping. Well, I'll tell you, it's still going on at my house. Like, we're still in the thick of this problem. Like, has never been as good of a napper as his sister. Uh-huh. So he can, and he, he's strong-willed enough and he's able to, like, not fall asleep. He can lie in bed for a long period of time uh-huh. and not fall asleep. So we resort to all sorts of, like, you know, tricks to, like like, you know, sleep next to him have him sleep on his own like make the room dark make the room dark but leave the door open like we've tried all these things right and so some days if he's tired he will nap some days if he doesn't want to it can become a gong show like right now is a little better because he's outgrowing this a little but before like if we didn't nap he, he not only would he not eat then like I would have to carry him up the stairs for his shower. Yeah. He's very liable to probably bite me while <laughs> we're doing this. And I can't really blame him because he's just doing this out of exhaustion. Yeah. Then I would put him in the shower and then every two seconds he's trying to sprint out of the shower, but he's, tr- he's sprinting in a way where he's, his body's wet. So he's sliding and falling. <laughs> so he might actually get a head injury. On, so the lack of a nap is leading to like closed head injuries. <laughs> it's just a disaster. Right. And, and then they might not even fall asleep because they're getting so wired up that they get emotionally upset. So now they're crying and tearing. Yeah. So then you're like holding him. This was still happening at around age two and a half a few times that we would then be holding him trying to get him to settle. Yeah. Like it's just, it just it, if we had just gotten that nap earlier, like, like, you know, get the, someone start the motor and get him in the car already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does bring back a lot of memories. A lot of memories of uh, of trying to get them to nap and if they don't if they're not tired in the moment then it's hard to like to really force them to nap Mm -hmm. um uh so i just remember some frustrating times of after sort of trying for like an hour and a half then just being like ah well i guess that's it like now if they fall asleep at this point it's too close to bedtime uh (laughs) and so everything is ruined and that's that ties back into that whole thing of understanding how these how parents in general uh, ha- uh, plan everything around nap time and when you're thinking like oh, but you know you could wait another half an hour before nap. it's like no 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 nap time ha- happens right at this exact time and if we mess it up <laughs> then the whole thing goes to pot well there's this concept that like kids have these very small windows of opportunity to do certain things napping is one of these things like it feels like for my son we were always like What's the ideal nap time? It's somewhere between 1.30 and 3. If we get past 3, he's overtired and he can't fall asleep anymore. Yeah. And, and, and it would be like that for eating too, right? Like his dinner time has to happen at 
5.45. If we try to start dinner at 6.45, he, he may not eat because he's, again, he's overtired again. And <laughs> no matter how hungry he is, it doesn't matter. Like these little windows. Yeah, kids are definitely like uh, creatures of habit. <laughs> so this actually leads to a, a, a mailbag question because I was telling, I've been telling people that we're going to do an episode on naps. Uh-huh. So my cousin has sent us a question that she wants us to answer. Okay. So uh, this question is from cousin Elaine in Chicago. She wants to know pretty much what you touched on earlier. If your if your kid is trying to nap and has been lying in bed for a long period of time, at what point do you say this nap isn't happening and pull him out of solitary confinement or do you leave him in there longer? Okay, so what how, how long do you determine that you've tried long enough to get the right. nap? Well, the specific question she phrased to me was is two hours of quiet time alone in a dark room enough for a child? <laughs> it seems inhumane to keep him in there longer than that. I guess my response to that would be, um, if two hours is enough time for you as a parent to have the break you need for that day, then yes, <laughs> two hours is enough time for the child. If you need more time, then you can give them more time in that room. So like, in my answer to this question is, a loss with my son and my daughter, we spend a lot of time co-napping. So like he'll be napping next to me. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have slept like an hour and a half and I'll wake up because he's still making noise next to me. Yeah. And then I'll look at him. And I'll be like, he looks exhausted. And I'll, and I'll, and you know, I might lie there a little bit longer. We'll get to the two hour mark and I'll be like, he's looking really exhausted. I'm pretty sure if I just lie here for another 30 minutes, he's going to go down at some point. Like he can't sustain this. Right. But at that, it'll, it'll actually be like four 30 in like actual time at this point. So we're really pushing the limit of what's like accepted. Cause if he falls asleep at four 30, he's going to be up at seven again. Cause he'll sleep for two and a half hours. Uh, this, whole evening, time, <laughs> this whole time he's been looking at you thinking, <laughs> okay, if I just can hold out a little bit longer, I think dad, I think dad's going to fall asleep. <laughs> I think I've almost got him now. <laughs> but, you know, as as the kids are getting older to the point where they are resisting nap time, uh, you realize that at this point, nap time is not so much about them because it's not that they necessarily need so much sleep anymore, uh, specifically during the daytime. So for they're at that age, that borderline age, if they don't sleep during the day, then you're going to get that back later at night. So... Mm. Uh, it's not even so much how long do you let them try for. It's sort of how late in the day do you let them try for. And if you get too close to bedtime, then you're going to realize uh, that now you've just, like they fall asleep, but then at bedtime now they're going to be up for like an extra hour or two hours or three hours. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more about finding for your individual child how late in the day can you wait before you say, okay, no, it's too late for them to fall asleep. So do you cap it at some point? Like would you have them lie in bed for an hour and a half or as a parent? Like what's your strategy? So for us... Um, it really came to uh, how late in the day. And my wife seemed to uh, intuit that better than me. So she would be often the one saying to me like, no, 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 look, if you haven't gotten to sleep by five, then that's it. Don't don't bother. Or I think it was right. earlier than that, more like three. Uh, three? Yeah, because we're trying to get, our kids would generally, we try to put them to bed early. Um, so, so you have to figure out for your child what time that day is, but it's not a matter of how long do I let them try to nap for. If you start early enough that you could try for four hours, <laughs> but as long as they don't go past a certain time of the day. Uh, but the other tip uh, about this is that, you know, at that age, the, the getting them nap in the day is more something you need for yourself. You know, you still at the point where you need at least an hour during the day where you can think uh, without the kid like taking your attention. 
absolutely absolutely yeah I, not even to think like i'm uh, so i'm like my other big story about napping is with my daughter we eventually solved this riddle like you know how i told you like she would only nap if she slept next to my parents yeah at some point a few months of this we figured out maybe if we slept with her that would solve the problem yeah so so then i started to take the nap with her right and then the first time I remember she would like, she wouldn't go to sleep and then she like crawl over, tug on your ear, yeah. like touch your eye, see if you're really asleep. Yeah. And you just don't move for about 30 minutes. And then she drifted <laughs> off to sleep the whole nice. time. All this fighting and arguing was just because she wanted to make sure that someone else is with her to sleep. Well, you know, every family's got to find what works for <laughs> them and for their kid. But as a medical dad of four kids, I look at this idea of like, oh, I had to sleep with them to get. I look at that as pure folly. <laughs> oh, it is definitely folly. I'm still doing it. Yeah. Yeah, Weekends I, is nap time with dad time. <laughs> like sleeping with your kids, letting your kids get to the point where they need you in the bed with them to fall asleep. That's the that's the road to ruin. <laughs> and again, now, for some people, that's what works for them. They're like, yeah, but I I feel happier like with my kids sleeping in my bed than I do with them not. I say, like, all right, if that works for you. But well, <laughs> this was one of those things that like, you know, when, when patients ask me for advice, you know, before I had kids, I would definitely tell them, like, don't nap with your kids. Don't sleep with your kids at night for that matter. Yeah. Right? But one of the things that I discovered over the years is that there's like this cultural component to how we parent. Right. right? So in certain cultures, certain things are accepted. So in North American culture, it's accepted that we get our kids to bed early, yeah. right? So that the parents can have some quiet time and get some work done. Like that's socially accepted. Yeah. How but else would actually, you make your podcast? But in Asia, that's not socially accepted. So like my parents, my grandparents, they all slept with their kids in bed until like age four or five at night. Right? Okay. So the kids generally in those countries go to bed pretty late. Yeah. They go to bed when the parents go to bed and they sleep in later. Is right? this why China had a law where you could only have two children? <laughs> no, the law was only one child. Because <laughs> oh, they realized you wouldn't be able to keep co-sleeping once you went. Right. This whole four kid thing is impossible. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, there's this whole, I, there's a book. I, I don't have the title of it, but they basically talked about, like, the different ways different countries parent. Yeah. So, this is, like, a cultural thing. Like, in Asian countries, people do, you know, let their kids stay up later and they do co-sleep. Yeah. And some of them are well-adjusted at the end of it all and some of them aren't. <laughs> but who's to judge, right? So, then as a physician, especially as a physician of a lot of Asian patients, I had to sort of change my spiel and be like, you know, I would prefer you did this th the Western way, but there are different ways. If you want to do a different way, you can do that too. Yeah. Well, I, I always sort of look at it as um, you know, what works for your family in the sense that like the consequence of letting your kids sleep in your bed is that now you will have a kid who does not fall asleep when they're not in their bed, when, when they're mm -hmm. not in the bed with you, uh, right. which for some people that's fine because they're like, yeah, well, we're, we're prepared to always be able to sleep in the bed with the kid. And right. that, that works for us. That's fine. Uh, and for other people, they're like, well, no, like, like having my kid stick his feet in my face and is like uh, punching my crotch while I'm trying to fall asleep. Like, like, you know, kids sprawl out in the bed and all kinds of stuff. For some families, that just does not, like they just can't function that way. So I kind of explain to people, yeah, you can, if your child's going to sleep in your bed with you, then you just have to be prepared for like, this is what's going to happen afterwards. Don't mm -hmm. let them sleep in your bed with you. And then later say, I don't understand why now I can't get them to, you know, to <laughs> nap without me there. <laughs> right. But uh, when you get, what I was going to say is that when you get to this age where 
uh, they're transitioning out of naps, but you still need that nap time. Uh, mm. For my kids, that's where we had them transition to something we called big girl quiet time. <laughs> big girl quiet time is okay. This is the same time of day when you would normally go for your nap, and it would last usually about an hour. Uh, but you don't have to fall asleep, but you have to stay in your room and be quiet like a big girl. Right. Because you're too old for naps, but you're not too old for big girl quiet time. You've earned that. Well, this is actually, we joke about it, but quiet time is actually an important concept. Mm-hmm. So for kids who are dropping their nap, like the advice actually is for them to have some downtime. Like kids do need time to recharge, even if they choose not to fall asleep. Yeah. Just to do a quiet activity, read, you know, even just be bored for a while. Yeah. That helps. That will help set up the evening. If you... You know, if you figure, okay, my kid's not going to nap, let's like introduce like another soccer activity <laughs> in the afternoons. Like you're asking for trouble because the, these kids are tired. They're just not tired enough to sleep. Yeah. Although uh, you do touch on another good point that kids who are physically active do generally uh, nap better. Mm-hmm. So you put your kids in swimming lessons. Uh, if those swimming lessons occur in the evening after school, you generally aren't going to have trouble putting those kids to bed at bedtime. That's true. Swimming is a good one. Although I found that my son, we thought that, so w- there, there was the night where it was summer last year and the napping was a problem. And then even bedtime was kind of weird. Like he wouldn't go to bed right away. Yeah. So my parent, my, pa- my parents or his grandparents wanted to go for a walk. So we went down to like the high school and they had a track uh-huh. and my son loves walking. So he starts walking like lap two laps three laps four like this he's he's walked a mile right like at age two and the rest of us are like okay we're ready to go and he's like beaming and walking we're like okay no problem he's gonna go to bed early tonight we go home he's still not like (laughs) ready for sleep right so then some kids just need a lot a lot of exercise yeah Uh, i mean i think we've probably answered your cousin's mailbag question as much as we're gonna be able to answer it (laughs) But it's just, it does make me think of that whole, uh, or makes you recall that whole experience as a parent where, so some days you put your kids to bed and they slept great. And other days you put them to bed and they didn't. And then you find yourself trying to recall everything you did during that day to figure out what was the secret today while they slept. And you're trying to recreate every factor the next day. I have a good story to share about this. Does this so involve, my oh, go ahead. My mom, the baby savant. Yeah. Like she actually initially when she couldn't get my daughter to sleep initially, like like she figured out the co-sleeping thing like a few weeks in, but initially my daughter wouldn't nap with her either. And it was around actually it wasn't Christmas time, but my mom has a Christmas tree permanently set up in her basement. Uh-huh. Like a, like one of those plastic trees and so she took my daughter down to the basement and turned on the christmas lights okay and then my daughter like was sitting there staring at the christmas lights and then she just put her head down and fell asleep staring at the tree so then my mom reported back to me like okay i got her to sleep with the tree it worked so then the next night the next day when this whole fiasco started again my mom's adorn i got this and she carries her down sits her in front of the christmas tree and we're like now what (laughs) nothing happened like it's not working anymore are we doing this right (laughs) so yeah like you you are whatever you're saying is totally our experience like we went through all these things yeah i I remember a lot of uh they had a bad night and then my wife is like well yeah because that day we gave them a cookie that had chocolate chips Chocolate chips, there's caffeine in the chocolate. No more chocolate <laughs> chips before bedtime. And then, 
<laughs> yeah, then- oh, we've had that conversation. Like, how much caffeine really is in chocolate <laughs> chips? <laughs> but it's like chocolate chips or we gave them candy. It's like, oh, it's because the candy got them riled up. And I think we still uh, aren't sure exactly what, what what foods seem to affect the sleep, what ones don't. But Right. Although... There's this whole there's this whole studies now talking about sugar and how sugar may not actually be the thing that stimulates kids. Oh yeah, from right? a scientific point of view, the jury's right. already reported back on that. Sugar does not make your kids hyper. That's right. a that's it's, a complete myth. It's more the parents grinning and laughing as they stuff their kids with sugar <laughs> that that action and that environment of sugar sugarfied happiness that that's what's causing the kids to be hyper that's right it's like oh they had a lot of sugar today at that birthday party where they were running around and hitting a pinata <laughs> and getting a loot bag so yeah the sugar must be the reason why they're so cranky right now but so as much as there's that scientific evidence and proof and i as a pediatrician have heard this and i spelt that to family members and yet no a single one of my family members has bought into that whatsoever. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, quite frankly, like to be honest, like even in our family and even my, my I myself as a physician, yeah. I don't buy most of these like scientific terms <laughs> that come along. When a moment of crisis hits, I want the chocolate chips out. <laughs> yeah. Like it's going to affect their sleep, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife will be like, you know, the kids, they, they've gotten some candy. Now they're having a horrible night. And she looks at me and she's like, yes, see, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Stick that in your science pipe and smoke it. <laughs> and it probably, I have a bias on my end because I grew up with a, with a ton of sugar, at least seemingly compared to everyone else that I know. I was having witnessed your diet in medical school. I can attest to that. <laughs> yes, it was in medical school actually where where I really f- discovered that Kool Aid is not actually juice. I think you were there with that day we had that conversation where I'm mixing up some Kool Aid. I'm saying hey, I'm gonna put some juice in the fridge. I don't want some juice. <laughs> I think one of our friends is like, "That's not actually juice." I'm like, "Yeah." I read the, I read the packet and it was like. That's the first time I realized that it was flavored drink mix. <laughs> you know, as a child, I, I think I was like six years old when my dad told me never buy anything that says from concentrate. Like that's a that's a code word for bad. Really? Yeah. For us, that would be eating healthy. For, for us, it's like, like, OK, guys, just to give you a break from this Kool-Aid, we're giving you juice from concentrate. <laughs> and we'd be like, wow, fancy. Can we afford this? So I think we've talked a lot about most of the topics that I had in mind about naps. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, I guess we really ought to try to summarize for people our, our, our take on naps, which it sounds like we're agreeing. Uh, it's a very individualized thing and you got to do what works for you. Uh, but that we do recognize the reality that kids naps are very important for them. Mm-hmm. And kids naps are very important for the entire function and schedule of the whole family. Mm-hmm but we have no real good answer as to how to actually get them to nap when you need them to. So anything goes. Well, be consistent. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, uh, be understanding that the fact that if you make a change to their schedule, it's going to affect things. Right. And remember, they will outgrow this phase. It doesn't last forever. Yeah, that's probably the most important piece of advice <laughs> is that all the difficulties you're going through now in the kid who's that age where they need naps, they will outgrow it. Life, life will get better. Yes, until they become teenagers. That's right. And when you think you found a schedule where you're like, finally, everything is a good routine and life is good. Well, you'll take one trip out of town where they'll get one viral illness and it'll all blow up and you have to restart from scratch. 
on that note, we will see you in a week. See you next week, folks. All right. Bye-bye.